0: is 80s revisited i'm your producer jesse sedgely and now your host trey harris
1: a martial arts champion in search of the globe master i need more t- i am no longer your master a rock and roll star on the rise i know what it's like to
0: lose precious things
1: a madman good. You're gonna put my video on your show, or aren't you? The answer is no. no! Help me! And the glamour, the power, and the sound of Motown. I don't want you to kill anybody. Are you out of your mind? And the Leroy Green I'm looking for. <laughs> the little Pop that thinks he's a kung fu master. I am no master. You sure look like a master to me. This is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. To the beat of the of the night. It's about the power of the glow. Tymok. Vanity. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, directed by Michael Schultz, a Motown Productions picture from Tristar. Hey, baby, feel the glow. Show enough, because we're back here celebrating Black History Month, Doing, covering The Last Dragon. Dragon. Dragging. dragging, dragging. <laughs> God damn it. Let <laughs> me <We> start over. <laughs> you know what, Jesse? Can you just cut that out?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Or I might not. not more.
1: Okay, oh, fuck it. We do it live. That's right, everybody. Show enough, we are back here in February, celebrating Black History Month, covering three films with legendary African-American stars of the 80s. Starting here with, strangely enough, starting with The Last Dragon. (laughs) A cult classic, cult kung fu classic from March 22nd, 1985. As always, I will be your host guiding you on what one recent review calls us, a woke podcast. (laughs) Mm. So more on that at the end of the episode. That's called a teaser. (laughs) <laughs> For all you people out there, and with me as always, the last to my dragon, Jesse. Oh, actually, let me, let me let me change that. My teacher, my master to my student, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Hey, it was a rocky start, but you know we'll get there. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, last track. We don't play <laughs> the last these. dragon. That's right. It's 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 just. It's just. It off is the cuff. what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. That's the way we. That's the way we do it around here. We do it live. Uh, March 22nd, 1985, IMDb, 6.9. Rotten Tomatoes, 59% critics. However, 86% audience. Estimated $10 million budget, opened at 5.2, and domestically would go on to gross $25.7 million. So at a $10 million estimated, it doubled, nearly tripled its budget. Uh, I would assume it was a success, but we never got to see the next to last Dragon. We never got Mm -hmm. to see a sequel, although there was a... uh, like a fan film that was pretty popular, and, uh, it was on IMDb. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, I came across that information very late in my notes, but uh, you know, of course, that's no information on worldwide, no information on rentals. But nevertheless, a successful movie, as far as I can tell, unless the budget was not estimated at ten million and actually way more. Uh, but nevertheless, twenty-five point seven—that's a lot, uh, especially on that budget. So uh, it was directed by Michael Schultz. He also did Car Wash with a, uh, I believe, Mr. T was in that. And one of my favorite movies that just misses the cutoff to be in an 80s movie, Scavenger Hunt. And he also directed the movie of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So he's got some good, uh, decent stuff in there. Uh, Written by Louis Venosta. He also wrote the Mel Gibson Goldie Hawn film, Bird on a Wire. And that was the only other thing that he wrote that I had any knowledge of. Uh, He didn't have too many credits anyway, so it wasn't much there. Uh, Cinematography was by James Contner. He did Nighthawks with Stallone. He did Jaws three, which makes him a veteran of the podcast. And he did George Romero's Monkey Shines, uh, music by Misha Segal or Siegel. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a boy or a girl. <laughs> I'm gonna. Pers- I, I believe it might be female. Uh, did the uh, soundtrack for Ninja three: The Domination. Actually, I think it's a male because I remember the IMDb picture. Sorry about that, Misha. Uh, uh, he had Ninja three: The Domination, uh, the '89 Phantom of the Opera with Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. Also, Jersey Girl and Human Centipede 3. So he's the guy you get on a budget, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Uh, the main music in this, in this you know, it's, it's not bad for this. It fits it. Uh, of course, The Barge is the main <laughs> draw here in Vanity, original song, which uh, got a Razzie nomination. This film got two Razzie nominations for the music alone. Oh, wow. uh, and not for The Barge, because Rhythm of the Night's an amazing song. Uh, but on to the principal cast. Timac was Bruce Leroy Green. He was in Dreamers, uh, three episodes in 90210, and some historical stuff about him. He was a 19-year-old, only 19-year-old, 19 years old on this film, and he learned to act pretty much on the set. And you can tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it gives it. It gives it. Honestly, though, it adds to the nativity, nativity of the character, like being in the in with like these. You know, rich people and record recording stars and all that. So it does kind of add to the the lovable quality of uh, Leroy in this. The innocent, so to speak. Uh, so it works for me. And then you got Vanity as Laura. Uh, of course, she's a veteran of the podcast. She was an action, action Jackson. Uh, she starred in the Jet Li film Kiss of Death. I think Bridget Fonda might have been in that too. I can't remember. That was one of those random ones. Uh, after kind of Jet Li exploded on the scene, that was like one of the 10 other ones he did shortly after like Romeo Must Die or something like that. Uh, She did a bit of TV too including uh, an episode of Tales from the Crypt and Friday the 13th. And uh, Vanity was huge in the 80s for a big reason and that was because she met Prince Mm -hmm. at the American Music Awards uh, and after learning that she could sing Prince invited her to be the front woman for a girl group he had formed called the Hookers. This is (laughs) all true according to Wikipedia and they have their sources. Uh, Prince initially wanted to rename her Vagina. Vagina. Oh, uh gosh. but she refused so they good for her cuz then they settled on Vanity but he wanted to call her that because he considered her to be the female version of him which I can see maybe physically but not like talent wise I mean Prince could play every instrument and everything and Vanity yeah she has a good voice that's about it uh you know but very beautiful not the best actress uh but then they renamed the group from the Hookers thankfully to Vanity 6 they recorded one album and had some success internationally with the single "Nasty Girl," not to be confused with Janet Jackson's better song "Nasty." <laughs> they wore lingerie, and Vanity's image became that of an erotic and sexy "quote nasty girl." And then he, Prince, kind of did what Kanye's doing to his new girlfriend—that girl from uh, uh was uh, Uncut Gems. Like basically, Prince manufactured the whole group's image and everything. And unfortunately, she did pass away. Uh, in 2016, due to kidney failure, and she she had a kidney transplant, all sorts of stuff, but she had a 10-year crack cocaine addiction that pretty much destroyed her kidneys. Uh, and that was back in the 80s, you know, into the 90s when that happened, and then all those com- the complications from that destroyed her kidneys. She had a transplant, but eventually did succumb to kidney failure in 2016. So very sad. Uh, and she also, after all that stuff with Prince and addiction, she had become a big born again Christian. So that's why you know there was never a Prince and Vanity reunion kind of thing, at least that I know of. Maybe there was. I didn't look it up. Not that I know of, put it to you that way. Uh and then Christopher Murney was Eddie. He was in the, the original taking of Pelham 123 with Robert Shaw. Uh he was in the Cohen Brothers, Barton Fink, and a veteran of the podcast because he was in Maximum Overdrive. And uh my favorite absolute character in this movie, show enough himself, Julius Carey. Uh most notably what I the the second I saw him in this, because this is one of my second, maybe third time to ever see this film. Uh, He was the sidekick in The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr. with Bruce Campbell. And he did a ton of TV, everything from 227 to Murder, She Wrote. And he also, unfortunately, passed away back in 2008 due to pancreatic cancer. So that was a big loss. Loved him in this. Loved him in Briscoe County, Jr. Great, great character actor. Very big loss. Uh, Speaking of character actors, Mike Starr with two R's. He was rocking this. You might notice him. He's the guy in Dumb and Dumber that needs his heartburn pills or his medication when he eats the uh, spicy stuff and he then dies. <laughs> mm. Uh he was also uh he was the clown in Uncle Buck. So we did just talk about him or a movie he was just featured on the podcast recently, yeah. The Drunk Clown That Comes to the Door. But he also he always plays a mafioso kind of guy because he's he's big, he's got that impression. Uh he's also in Goodfellas. So uh I mean, Autumn thought he was in the Sopranos, but I don't remember I didn't check to see if he was. It wouldn't surprise me, put it to you that way. Uh Faith Prince was Angela. She was in one of my most Favorite underrated '90s comedies: Dave with Calvin Klein, Calvin Klein, Kevin Klein, mm-hmm. and Sigourney Weaver, where uh, he becomes president. If you haven't seen it, super funny, very heartwarming, good movie. Uh, and he was, she was, uh, Faith Prince was also in a lot, a lot of TV. Uh, Jim Moody is Daddy Green. He was in Fame and also Twenty Eight Days, the first of the Twenty Eight Days trilogy. Uh, and and I completely, f- I remember, I remembered he was in it the second I saw him. But I didn't remember it until I saw him, if that makes any sense. But Ernie Reyes Jr. is tying this, the little kid. Of course, if you don't know who Ernie Reyes Jr. is, you've probably never seen Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. He's Kino. uh, And he's a very accomplished martial artist as well, who's also in Red Sanja, The Rundown, Surf Ninjas, uh, because he was really big after Ninja Turtles 2. And he was also considered for Liu Kang in the original Mortal Kombat movie, but they went Robin Shu, which Ernie could have done it. Ernie, Ernie, I think he's, he's, he's you know, he's got the moves. And he's He's got kind of a little, he's got a natural charisma, I think, to him in all of his roles. Uh, you know, Kino's a little whiny in Ninja Turtles, but I mean, <laughs> hey, you're playing against the Turtles. You got to play it up a little bit. So, uh, and this was his first movie ever. So, uh, Keisha Knight Pulliam with Sophia. Uh, if you're a fan of the now disgraced Bill Cosby, you would have instantly recognized her as Rudy from the Cosby Show. And also uh, on... Uh, House of Pain, P-A-Y-N-E, I think that was uh, on Fox at some point. I never – I remember hearing the name of the show, but never watched it. Uh, She was regular on that. And then, again, I I didn't – at the time when I first saw this, I don't think I saw this when William H. Macy was a big name, but William H. Macy is a bit actor – has a bit part in this as J.J. Of course, Fargo, Mystery Men, almost every movie. He's kind of – he pops up all over the place all the time. Yeah, so that's kind of rounding out the who, what, who and what – so this film, bonafide kung fu cult '80s cult classic. Now, like I said, I'm, this isn't one of my like wheelhouse cult classics. Although it has everything that is in my wheelhouse in terms of, like martial arts. You know, I thought I'm a huge Shaw Brothers fan. Just got the box set for Christmas of uh, all the uh, first eight Shaw Brothers or uh, the big new box set that came out celebrating Shaw films. Uh, so I love kung fu movies, love martial arts. Uh, but this one, you know, as a kid. I think it was it was mainly because at that time I was watching Shaw Brothers stuff like on TBS, like Inframan, Five Deadly Venoms, Crippled Avengers, King Boxer, that kind of stuff. And, you know, nothing American made satisfied that itch that I can think of offhand until The Matrix, because why? Because that's fi- make, the Matrix was a breakthrough breakthrough film in terms of like American cinema for a variety of reasons. But one of the biggest, in my opinion, is that it incorporated the style of like fight choreography and editing from Asian cinema, which is uh, not the new Matrix. If you want to. That's that's terrible. We talked about that before. You know, watch the original Matrix. It's long cut. It's long scenes, no cuts. You let the action play out to where it's a beautiful ballet of violence. You know, that's how it plays out. That's the style I was used to. So if, until I saw something that was like that, my martial arts enthusiasm or attention, I guess I should say, was always more so on the older Asian films that were at the time, you know, Bruce Lee's stuff, you know, in terms of the choreography, this one, the in fight scene is awesome in this movie. That's the best part. I was watching. Oh, I'm re- I totally remember this now with the, the glow and everything and going through the warehouse. Great in fight in this film, but it, this is an hour and forty-one minutes, I think. Off, um, I know I'm in the ballpark there. I might be accurate, but not precise. Uh, it's too long for what it is. Cut about fifteen minutes, streamline it a bit. Flawless, mm-hmm. uh, despite it. You know, for a cult film, a flawless cult film. Put it that way. Uh, you know, so it's why that's the only reason I didn't watch it more than I have in my life is because that's what I'm trying to explain. And I, I guess I should not just shut up because I think I've explained it already <laughs> well enough. <laughs> Uh, hey, this is if you're if you listen to the podcast before, you know, this is the rabbit hole we go down, Mm -hmm. uh, all the time. So, yeah, but you know, watching it again, and I don't think I've seen it since maybe up all night or TBS or or late night somewhere because I was always familiar with it and knew, like, oh, yeah, show enough, like all the memes and all that, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, the last fight scene is still great and really well done. Uh, but everything else, I was like, I don't remember any of this. I remember the movie theater part where it opens. And I remember, uh, you know, little bits and pieces. So it was almost like watching the first 80% of this movie for the first time in a long time. For the first time in forever. So just like, wow, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. And then finally it gets to the worst. Okay, this, I remember all of this. Uh, but it's still, you know, as a cult kung fu 80s film, still checks all those boxes. Still enjoyed it. Uh, I ain't gonna lie, I was getting kind of bored. Midway just until shownuff appears like you know threatening uh, Leroy's family <laughs> pretty much or doing something and then it you know then it goes back to what Leroy's doing. It's like okay him and vanity, the love story uh, going on, which lucky him, but uh every time Shonuff appears or uh you know the actor uh Julius Carey shows up every time Shonuff shows up, it's fire on screen. wish they would have really done more of that, showed him to be more menacing. You know, maybe uh, beating up more people (laughs) would have been great because it's a kung fu film, you got to have people getting beat up, Uh, you know, in the the fake out at the end where you think he's beaten and they totally pull a Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, where he screams at Leroy and he looks down and the body's not there. It's so great. So well done. Can't say enough praise from the end of the movie. But uh, also the big honestly, the reason the movie here's what they should have cut out. Uh, they basically show half of Fist of Fury, Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury, in this movie. <laughs> Literally, like he's watching it, but then we're watching it, a good chunk of it. Uh, and then the the Barge Rhythm of the Night music video. We basically watch the entire music video in this movie. Trim those scenes down to just oh, here's what he's watching. Here's the clip, and by clip I mean you know, well, you know Bruce, you know takes out the last guy does his move, you know, it shows the bars dancing in front of the drive or the restaurant wherever, in the music video. And then that's it. You don't have to show the entire thing. We're still hearing it in the background. That would have cut 10 minutes off the runtime because uh, that's the only, that's, honestly, that's the only fault I can give to this movie is just the pacing. The pacing is just the first hour is just so like, come on, you got to, you got to pick it up here. I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking at my phone. If I pick up a phone when I'm watching a movie for the podcast, that's not a good thing. But that's the only thing I can really say that's bad about this movie. Aside from, now this is not a movie for everybody because if you don't like cult films, if you don't like kung fu films, you're not going to like this movie. Uh, You know, there's uh, there's really not much. This is a very specific genre of film that is going to have a very attract a very specific audience. You know, The Matrix, to cite it again, I mean, its trailer sold it to people that would never have gone to see it normally. Because of the they, what they put in the Super Bowl trailer for The Matrix, the bullet time shot. And, you know, The Matrix was combining a lot of different genres, action, sci-fi. Uh, well, action and sci-fi, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. You know, but uh, it was, uh, you know, but the martial arts as a genre in American film is very small. You know, uh, it, it blew up with The Matrix. We got, you know, the Dragon Dynasty DVD collection came out with all the where they brought, you know, remastered a lot of the old uh, Shaw brothers films and uh, some of the old John Wu stuff too, like last the raw for chivalry and that kind of thing. Uh, So it it comes and goes, there's always an audience for it, but it's very, you know, that's why you don't, you don't see too many martial arts movies when they do. I make sure to go see it in the theater because I want to promote it. I love martial arts movies, you know, every now and then now the big thing now, thanks to parasite squid game. Uh, even though this has been going on for years, is you know a lot of specifically Korean cinema. Train to Busan from a few years ago was a big one that's people are kind of revisiting now or, or being more aware of because what are they doing? They're remaking it in America. Hmm. Uh, watch if you haven't if you have not seen Train to Busan, highest possible recommendation, amazing film. Uh, but anyway, Last Dragon. <laughs> but yeah, you know, martial arts cinema in America. You know, an American version is like American Ninja, which those are great. They're silly. They're super schlocky. If you get my I uh, what I'm getting at there, if you've seen them, you know what I'm talking about. They do not compare to what uh, Chinese cinema, uh, Japan cinema and Korean cinema and uh, all, Thailand, even with uh, I think on uh, Tony Joss from Thailand. I might be misquoting that. I do apologize if that's incorrect. Uh, you know what they've been putting out, have put out and did put out back then is so different and it's so much better. Like they are, they pioneered it. That's why when John Wu came over here, you know, he did hard target Van Damme's best film. If you ask me, uh, for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. which, we have, you know, that'll be in the first 10 episodes of nineties revisited as well. Whenever we get there, our target will be up there for sure. You know, but, uh, you know, he got, he came to fame because he did martial arts films at first. He had, uh, last, the for chivalry. There's the one with Jackie Chan. I can't think of the young master. I think maybe, uh, he did one want Jackie Chan. It was really good. And then, you know, what did he do? Better Tomorrow, uh, Bullet in the Head, Hard Boiled. And it's like, whoa, whoa. These guys can do like modern action too. And they can do it better than anybody over here. So what happens? Hey, John, come do, here's a Van Damme movie. And he knocks it out of the park. Here's a John Travolta Christian Slater movie. Wait, what? Broken Arrow. yes it's fucking awesome <laughs> face off eh, even though it's got my man nicholas cage in it i think if you're a long time listener to the podcast you know how i feel about face off <laughs> uh, i'm here for cage and that's it and that one like that was to me that was john woo's first big like faltering in terms of his, his action in terms of the action uh and he hasn't recovered well no he did uh paycheck was good with ben affleck uh and there was one other one he did, like a recent one. Mission Impossible Two was garbage. I know, I know. Uh, I think Doomslayer likes Mission Impossible Two, which is fine. Not gonna, I'm not going to argue with you, Doomslayer. You can like it all you want, but it's the least, my least favorite Mission Impossible, and didn't like it at all <laughs> when I watched it the first time, and then when I rewatched all the Mission Impossibles. But anyway, what I'm getting at in a long, long roundabout way, as it tends to happen on the podcast, uh, or I'm getting back to, I should say, the fight scene at the end of The Last Dragon is very influenced by the Asian side of cinema back then, which is an absolute good thing in which which, what makes that fight scene at the end so good, good enough to make them, I think the movie's a cult classic, I think because of the strength of the characters, mainly Shonuff and uh, Roy, uh, combined with just how memorable and amazing the last fight is. I'm, I'm not trying to oversell it if you've never seen it, for what this movie is, the fight scene delivers is what I'm getting at. You know, this is not Jet Lee and Fist the Legend or, you know, this is not the dojo scene in the Matrix, it's not the end of Tripled Avengers. But it is a well done fight scene. Incredibly well done for the time, one of the better examples of Asian influence in fight choreography in the 80s, for sure. Uh so nothing, nothing but praise for it for that. But uh and strangely enough, when I put this on Autumn looks up from her phone and is like, is this The Last Dragon? I'm like, what? How do you know what this – you've seen this? Like, yeah, I love this movie. I'm like, "You, we've been together for 15 fucking years and you have never mentioned in every discussion about martial arts or movies that you know this movie and that you liked it. She said, well, I remember liking it is what she said. And she was on her phone for most of it. So I guess she didn't really remember liking it or anything like that. But, uh, it shocked me. Uh, and of course, long-time listeners know Autumn. She's guest on the podcast before. She's my lovely wife. Love her to death. Nothing but good things to say about her. Wink, wink. Uh, hmm. scoring points there for the future if she ever listens to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: But, yeah. Anyway, Jesse, have, are you familiar? Have you ever seen The Last Dragon?
0: I don't think I've watched it in its entirety. But I am familiar yes. with its existence, for sure. Absolutely.
1: So, again, you know, I mean, we're watching The Last Fight scene now. Uh, so unless you're into martial arts movies, I would say you know it's really not for you. It's uh, it's not like like, go, like for example, Ghostbusters. If you like comedy, you'll love Ghostbusters. If you like horror movies, I think you like Ghostbusters. If you like sci-fi, you like Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, so there's a variety of things to attract you to something like Ghostbusters. For Last Dragon, if you're not a big martial arts movie fan, uh, you know that, that that's I mean it's it's a martial arts movie. If that's not for you. It's, it, then you know it's, it's understandable just you know it, it doesn't it doesn't overcome its genre in terms like for example Karate Kid most people probably you know Karate kid was a huge huge hit when it came out I don't think that was mainly because it was not because it was just a martial arts movie but because it was you know high school kid you know it, it had a lot of different aspects whereas this movie is basically it's honestly it's a Motown retelling of a traditional kung fu story kung fu movie you know, master. I need to get more. You know, what do I do? You must find this to be more powerful. I can no longer teach you anything. You must go out. You know, and what is sh- and, and shown enough. I am the shogun of Harlem. You know, I rule this area, and only Bruce Leroy can stop me. They say. Well, then fight me, Bruce. It's very. You know, this is it's very much what uh, American directors did with Kurosawa films. They took, uh, uh, which I'm not complaining about. You know, M- Magnificent Seven is a direct remake of Seven Samurai. This it's not a remake, but it is basically an American Motown version of a, a, a 70s, 80s kung fu film. And it again, the the fight scene works. The story stuff, it's not it's not quite where you know as today. You're watching it today. I can't remember how watching the when I first saw it back in the day to give like a more accurate like nostalgia kind of take on it because uh, I, I don't have any nostalgia for this movie. I'm familiar with it. I'm not like. You know, it's an acquaintance, it's not a friend, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I've always, you know, enjoyed it and respected it for what it is as a cult classic. But uh yeah, so if you don't like martial arts movies, this is probably not for you. But I do urge you, if you like action, watch the last fight scene on YouTube. It's there. Just search the last dragon. In fight scene, we're watching it now. It's kinda low quality, but you know what? I kinda like that gritting, you know, when you watch there's some things when you watch that little grit to it from, you know, not being crystal clear, mm-hmm. kinda adds to the uh the experience of it, so to speak, you know, like, oh, you people listen to cassettes again. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, people listen to cassettes again. I listen to a thing on NPR this morning. Oh, yep, that's right. We're woke, everybody. Trey listens to NPR <laughs> uh, on you know, Alexa. What's the news? And I get my news every morning from NPR, and I enjoy it very much while I cook breakfast for my family. Uh, but uh, they were saying like cassette tape. They cannot make the 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 film, the tape for cassettes. They're, set, they're selling it before it's even made, the lead manufacturer of cassette tapes was saying on NPR. Like, and th- guess what? They, they attribute it to Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. And, they, and the thing is, because kids these days, when we grew up, we're holding, you know, we, hold, we can hold a record. We, we, held, we went to the store and bought the CD. It's the only way you could get music. You hear it on the radio or you had to tangibly copy it yourself. You know, so we, we were born in that. That's why I like digital music. You know, I'm not going back. I don't need to have, you know, I'm about to move. You know, I already got like literally probably 2,000 pounds of fucking graphic novels and books to haul. I don't need, you know, my whole record collection and all that other shit taking up space when it can be digital, you know? So, you know, for us that grew up with that, I don't want to go back. But kids these days, all they had was digital. And then it's like, here's that tangible. Now they're learning what the, the tangibility of things, whereas our generation is more so learning like. Oh yeah, I don't need to keep files of all my taxes. I can just fucking scan them in and save them on the cloud, and then put them on my backup hard drive and my in my safe. I don't have to keep like you know a eighty pound portafile box of all this shit. Yes, but kids these days, I'm saying it, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but to them it's like wow, the music's on this. It's not just in, you know it's 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 new to the it's it's crazy. It's exactly what you know digital was to us growing up with that, and it, it just in reverse. And it's so crazy. It's crazy to think. But it makes perfect sense when you actually think about it. So that's what we try to do on Eighties Revisited. People who leave one-star reviews, we try to think about things. <laughs> Sorry, more to come on that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So what yeah. Uh, say in me. closing, uh, I you know, if you're a kung fu movie fan, Last Dragon it's for you. Again, just be warned it's it's a little too long. You're going to watch the entire Rhythm of the Night music video. You're going to see the most of the entire last fight of the Big Boss. But not that I complain about either one of those. But you didn't need to in the movie; that needed to be cut for time and flow. That's my only—the pacing. The pacing is just really bad the first half of this movie. But once, once you get to that fight scene, you know it's like a Godzilla movie in that regard. Uh, you know, it gets to—it gets. That's when you're like, "All right, here we go, finally." And it's it, that's when it just kicks off. So uh, can't say enough praise about that infight. fight. But uh, some trivia behind the scenes stuff. The movie was a critical failure, but a box office success, making 33 million against its budget, and that's become a cult hit, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, during the intro- this is really impressive. During the introductory training sequence, Leroy or Timac, the actor, karate chops an arrow as it zooms past him. He really did that. Took two hours, which is still to me amazing wow. that it only took two hours, but he actually did it. So, because uh, he's an actual martial artist, which is another awesome thing about it. They use your lead actor is a martial artist. Uh, which really, really helps. Uh, the 7th Heaven Disco set was built on uh, Camera Mart stages at 54th and 10th Avenue. One day, Diana Ross visited the set and then bought the set of this film, of the, the the club, for her next tour. So if you saw Diana Ross's 85, 86 tour, you saw pieces of the set of The Last Dragon, which is pretty damn cool, in my opinion. I, mean, I always like to talk about the what-ifs. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who at this time was going by Larry Fishburne, speaking of The Matrix uh, lobbied really hard for the role of Leroy green, which would have been crazy in hindsight because then go on to be Morpheus. Uh, Denzel also auditioned for Leroy and show Nuff, which today he'd be awesome as show enough. But in the eighties, you know, Leroy, maybe but not show enough. Uh, Wesley Snipes auditioned and lobbied hard for the role of Leroy, which honestly kind of surprising that he, you know, again, I, I, don't, I didn't see his audition tape, but knowing that a, he's a real martial artist and Snipes is a pretty good actor, uh, for the most part, uh, you know i'd say he's better than tim act for sure in terms of acting that scene we're watching now is like what is that dude wearing <laughs> sorry everybody visual joke on audio podcast i know i know I'm watching the movie theater intro believe me you'll know what i'm talking about if you watch it
0: <laughs>
1: for sure uh, but yeah you know I could, I could see wesley snipes in that role but you know again going back to Time acts inexperience of acting i think does actually help his character for sure uh, but then also Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, Ron O'Neill, and Billy D. Williams and my man, Carl Weathers, were also considered for the role of show nuff. Uh, and also Jim Kelly, uh, who uh, was uh, – oh, I forget his character name in The Dragon. But he was considered a show nuff, but he wasn't interested in playing a villain at the time. Uh, of course – now, it, this is on IMDb, and it's – I don't know if it may mean the exact one or just the same type – but, it's, but if you've seen Game of Death, with Bruce, if you're a fan of Bruce Lee, you already knew this, but he wears the same jumpsuit Bruce Lee wore in Game of Death in the uh, dojo scene. Uh, but the way it's worded, it it says the same. I'm assuming they just mean the same pattern, because I doubt that they would actually have the actual jumpsuit from them. Uh, controversial cr- and film critic and super amazing dude who has a brand new special tomorrow night on Shudder. My man, Joe Bob Briggs, the pen name of John Bloom, wrote his last column reviewing this movie before getting fired by the Dallas Times-Herald. So I wonder if old Joe Bob, you know, <laughs> doesn't like this movie because of that or if he still he still likes it. So Joe Bob, if you listen, please, you or Darcy, let me know. Uh, this is uh, the produced title, the the song that Richard Perry did. For the theme was nominated for the worst original song at the Golden Raspberry Awards, as was Vanity's song, Seventh Heaven. But they lost out to the song, Peace in Our Life. Anybody know? Nobody know? Okay. okay. It's from Rambo First Blood Part 2. Wait, there's a song in Rambo First Blood Part 2? Yeah, it's by Frank Stallone. Uh, that took on the Razzie. So the fact that it was Frank Stallone, you in already. And the fact that there was a song, an original song in Rambo First Blood 2, and it, it doesn't immediately come to mind because that movie's iconic, that's all you need to know. Is that It was that bad. And I, I kind of thought this when I first saw this wrestler, uh, but it is according to IMDB, it is confirmed. Uh, Naomi, the wrestler, uh, she stated that her Feel the Glow tagline was completely inspired by The Last Dragon. And that's hmm. fucking awesome. Hmm. So that's what is Bruce Leroy looking for? The glow, baby. And honestly, you know, we talked we uh, we talked about Honey and Honey I Shrunk the Kids about those like you know those animated effects that were very predominant in the '80s and '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look in this movie, they look so cool. The way that they're done in this film I- is it cheesy? Yes, but it works. I love 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 the glow effects in this movie. It's so it, again, it's cheesy but it's really kind of fucking cool when you're watching these fight scenes. It's like an anime, live action anime fight scene, which again, adds to the excitement and the kineticism and just the uniqueness of the of an American movie having this kind of fight scene at the end. So nothing but praise for that again. And then uh, back to the real world, March 22nd, 1985 was when this film came out. I'm oh, sorry, 26th, I think. No, it was the 22nd. Did I not put the date? Maybe it was the same day, I'm not sure. Uh, I did not put that, but the 57th annual Academy Awards were held in Los Angeles, right down the road from me. And what won Best Picture that year? Amadeus. So mm. Amadeus rocked the Oscars winning Best Picture that year. Amadeus, great movie. Haven't done it on the podcast. Really don't have a desire to do it on the podcast because it's one of those one and done movies for me. Yeah. You seen Amadeus? Yeah, I saw it. Cool VHS cover. VHS mm-hmm. covers badass. Uh, it, it makes the movie look cooler than it is. Good Again, good movie. <laughs> but the VHS cover is like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> it looks almost like a horror movie. And I guess it kind of is a horror movie with... Uh, I forget what's... Oh, man. Uh, F. Murray Abraham's character. Silvari, I think. Uh, the yeah, other composer. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. really, yeah, really good movie. But uh, it be a while before we cover it on the podcast because it's... Silari Yeah, Silari That's it. And it, Actually, you know what? The next time I get the bug to do h- an historical thing we'll do Amadeus because Solari, or Solari I can't pronounce his name again if you just told it to me uh, I know what his you unfairly, mean he's like the movie portrays him as stealing a lot from Mozart but they were actually more contemporaries and really good friends uh, more so than that like you know kind of like the Beatles and the Beach Boys in modern music kind of like you know uh, like oh this dude's doing something amazing it's, it's making me want to do better I have to do something as good as this not really like as villainous as he was in the movie but that is another story and then uh, four days later, March 26, 1985, born in England, English actress Kira Knightley of uh, mm. such films as Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and mm. Pirates of the Caribbean. And every uh, British female led novel of the past 20 years, <laughs> she's pretty much been in it. Uh, what was that one she was in with McAvoy that was really good? There was a, a lot of praise for it. Oh, we're like she was like she was an author in it. She was an English author. God damn it! English uh, author. It was a bi- it was a it was a really big movie. There, uh, there, yeah, Atonement. That's it. Okay. Uh, really good movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, very good. 7. James McAvoy, 8? Keira Knightley. Very very good movie. Not what I thought it was going to be. And of course, as we're in the real world here in February, which of course is Black History Month. Uh, so here because not because we're our our recent review claims that we're a little too woke, but just because we're good human beings. excuse me, let me take a step back, not patting myself on the back because we like to consider ourselves and try to be better people. We want to take a moment on our platform to just, this is black history month. This is an important film in African-American cinema, the last dragon. It absolutely is. And I wanted to talk as, you know, I'm a history major. One of my majors is history. If I go back, I'd have another one. Uh, But I'm not going back to college to finish out a couple of electives that I didn't want to do to begin with. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so you know, we like to use our platform to kind of educate people about various things that, uh, especially in a decade that is, you know, I will never, you know, I hope, oh, maybe we have in the past. I don't know because we're like 200 and plus episodes in on this shit. You know, but uh, times change, and the eight, you know, were the 80s the most progressive decade in some regards? They were. They had there was a lot of progression made in a lot of communities in the eighties, but there was, there's still just like today, a lot of hurdles and all that kind of thing. So it's very important to recognize, you know, what in, uh, you know, differences and celebrate differences in in the, in the appropriate way. Uh, Which is why uh, for Black History Month, uh, next week uh, we'll be doing uh, one of my favorite actors, Richard Pryor and comedians, by the way, go listen to a up not with your children around. We'll be doing the Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder classic, Hear No Evil, See No Evil. Uh, and then after that, uh, rounding out the end of Black History Month, we'll be doing Beverly Hills Cop 2, which also will kick off Sequelitis, the relapse, uh, after that. So that gives you a little roadmap for the podcast. But yeah, a uh, history about Black History Month. Uh, it was actually the precursor to Black History Month was created in 1926, uh, when historian Carter G. Woodson uh, and the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History announced the second week of February to be, this is this is a quote, Negro History Week. Uh, it was chosen because it coincided, coincided with the birthday of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and Frederick Douglass on February 14th, uh, both dates which black communities had historically celebrated together since the late 19th century. But what we know today as Black History Month was actually not first proposed, uh, until Black educators and students at Kent State in February 1969. Uh, and the first Black uh, History Month took place at Kent State a year later from January 2nd to February 28th, 1970. So actually Black History Months from the to the, uh, January 2nd to February 28th, unless that's a typo on Wikipedia. And then six years later, Black History Month is being celebrated all across the country, both in educational or everywhere from educational institutions, centers of Black culture, community centers, Great and small. And then when President George, uh, George, no, earlier than that, Gerald Ford, he finally recognized it officially in 1976 during the uh, celebration of the Bicentennial of America. And he urged Americans to, quote, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Uh, Very well said. And that was in 76. And look where we're at today. Nobody fucking listens uh, to anybody it's a shame. Uh, but, uh, so that's just a history cause I didn't know all that. And, uh, you know, it's important that we, that we, all of us learn things about everything that, that's going on in this country to be better educated about a lot of things. Now, you know, so let's lose the ignorance. Let, let's, you know, let's not be stupid and let's lose the ignorance and try to be intelligent about things and with ourselves and with others. But, uh, going forward for the rest of the month, we're going to have a little moment, eighties moment in the back to the future segment of black history. And, uh, 1983, uh, was a pretty big year. Uh, in black history in 19 uh, you had uh, gion blueford became the first african american to go into space in nasa's program he was a mission specialist on four shuttle missions two on discovery and the other two dramatic pause you know where i'm going with this We're on the challenger including its last successful mission he was not on the challenger uh disaster when it happened but he did fly on it twice including the last successful mission uh Mr. Blueford, or I don't know if he's a doctor or not, uh, but uh, he's logged over 688 hours in space, which is 688 hours more than 99.9 percent <laughs> of the human population as of 2022. Because uh, Bezos and Musk, y'all aren't going to space. Y'all are in the what the ionosphere, stratosphere. T- honestly, technically, not space. <laughs> uh, but uh, he also uh, he has such. Uh, not, not inductions, the what I'm looking for. Uh, decorations are – but he's been recognized by being inducted into the International Space Hall of Fame in 97, the United States Astronaut Hall of Fame in 2010, and the National Aviation Hall of Fame in 2019. And in 2002, scholar – I do apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of these names uh, – Molefi Keite Asante listed Blueford on the list of 100 greatest African-Americans. And he is a – in terms of you know space exploration – Absolutely, um, we here tip our hat to his accomplishments and achievements for not just uh, the African American race, but all of humanity. You know what a what a, a very celebrated individual in this country, and a good, uh, uh, amazing uh, inspiration and you know icon in a big way. Because uh, you know, space is the final frontier. Even though we know, we know nor we know more about space than we do our oceans, and they're right here. So is space the final frontier? It might be the second to last frontier because we need to explore our oceans some more too. Uh, But also I mentioned 83 was a big year uh, in terms of Black History Month. Absolutely other things. Uh, Martin Luther King Day was first celebrated as a national holiday on January 20th, or it was, excuse me, let me take one step back. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. It was established originally by legislation in 83. So it started in 83, but it wasn't officially celebrated as a national holiday. Until three years later, in eighty six, uh, in September of eighty three, the lovely and beautiful, still to this day, Miss Vanessa L. Williams became the first African American to win the title of Miss America as Miss America, nineteen eighty four. Hmm. So, and a very good singer too. She's one of those uh, very diverse entertainers. She can sing, she can dance, pretty good actor, uh, actress, in my book. You know, good, not great. You know, <laughs> she's no Regina King. Uh, but she's pretty good. Uh, Back to the future this week. Uh, well, the actual segment, not just the uh, in the real world, is what I meant to say earlier when I said Back to the Future. Uh, just last night, because it finally hit uh, on demand, uh, I saw finally the prequel part or third part of the Kingsman trilogy, The King's Man, with Voldemort. And uh, who else was in it? He was the main character, uh, Jamon uh, Hewson, uh, who was awesome in it. Like, the, the, he's been in so many. Goddamn movies since like the <laughs> '90s, yeah. And like he's never gotten like that. It's all—it's always bit parts, man. But he's like a, a full-fledged support. Who's, I mean, he's a big part of Amistad. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of his stuff, he pops up. Guardians of the Galaxy. Who? And then he gets his butt kicked and he's out <laughs> of it again. And he pops up all over the place and then he comes back. But he's got—he's got a very good role in this one. So I was very happy to see him because he's one of those very underrated and underused character actors. Uh, he's badass in it. And then Ray finds you know, Voldemort, great. Uh, but, you know, it's the same creative team as the previous two Kingsman movies. So if you like those, you need to see it because it's the prequel. So it sets a lot of stuff up, but it's the third best one at the same time. So now part two, The Golden Circle is one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. Uh, and the first one was great, too. I mean, the first one, you have that church scene where he goes berserk shooting all the people in the church. Uh, so uh, that's I'll leave it at that. You know, the first one's the first one's great. The second one to me just kicks it to 11 because uh, it's got Mark Strong. The Mark Strong part and his character in Kingsman 2, The Golden mm-hmm. Circle, is one of the greatest characters in film history to me. And uh, Kingsman 2 is just a ride. You have to watch Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle. Highest possible recommendation. I love it so much. Uh, this one, oh, uh I'll be remiss in not mentioning in this one, Rice Ifans. Uh, Riss, uh, Autumn told me how to pronounce his damn name and I don't forgot. Uh but he was the – I always liked him as an actor because he was the uh, the smoking alcoholic kicker in The Replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves. Hmm. And most recently, he was the lizard in Spider-Man Far From Home and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Uh, but he's Rasputin in this movie, and he is great. He is absolutely fantastic and menacing in this film uh, when he's in it. Leave it at that. But yeah uh, – I love the Kingsman franchise. I will always see a new Kingsman movie. This one though, you know, it's, it's, it's more world building before the first two. It's kind of sets it up, uh, entertaining, but not as good as the first two, you know, the other first ones are a tier S tier. And this one's like, you know, on a, on that, on the Capcom resident evil scoring system. This would be like a B, uh, to me. Hmm. Uh, and then also, uh, I think it was a and E. I don't know what channel it was, I saw it on demand, but uh, Janet Jackson had a four-episode docu-series that was really good, really, really good, uh, always been a fan of Janet Jackson since the 80s, she was one of my first, her and Paula Abdul like one of my two first crushes uh, in the MTV era, so uh, if you're interested in that and you like documentaries, very, very good documentary, all about Janet. And then also, uh, well, before I get to the Oscar nominations, uh, Jesse, anything well, you, I know you said you were busy when we were talking off the air, but were there anything? You know, did you get a chance to check out anything this year? Oh I mean, this year, <laughs> this past week,
0: I started watching uh, the After Party. That's on uh, Apple TV. Uh, it's a Who Done It uh, comedic Who Done It. Uh, it's not concluded yet, so I don't know Who Done It. And mm. um, isn't
1: that the one with uh, w- uh, Will Arnett and one it Somebody knows the
0: no the no. guest star
1: doesn't know oh,
0: no but i do want to watch that too where the guest yeah, star maybe. has no idea what the script is
1: <laughs> i saw one meme about it that just cracked i mean i heard about the show but then i saw i saw this meme where it was like because it's, it's an improvisational thing for the other actor right and what's the first rule of improvisation you know yes, yes and. and but when i was the meme was like sharon stone her care like she went in there like not yes anding like that's her, that's her whole thing She's, she doesn't do any of the yes and for the entire show. Like, the meme was like, so you like Pilates? She's like, no. But it, yeah, it makes me more excited to watch that one and just to watch that show because of actors of, of the of the premise. And then, you know, Sharon Stone's got the balls to break the first rule of improvisation for a show that's improvisating. <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally interested
1: and totally on board. Yeah. So, but who's in this, the one you're talking about? I haven't heard of this one. Um, it's,
0: let's see, After Party... Uh, ben Schwartz is in it, um, along with uh, what's his brother's? The um, we just talked about Spider-Man, Harry's RL brother. Oh, can't remember their names. Frank, wait,
1: Frank? Uh, Dave Franco? Franco.
0: yeah, Dave Franco is in it. It's the one who's not canceled. <laughs> the one who's not canceled. The the happily married, not canceled one. <laughs>
1: yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's married to uh, what's her name? Oh, I can see her face. Alice Brie. G- yeah, from Glow and yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's
0: gorgeous. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Tiffany Haddish is in it too, and um, yeah, a couple of people you would recognize, but they all come together, and um, yeah, it's playing out all right. It's not too bad. Hmm. But gotcha. um, let's see what else have I been watching? Still keeping up with Peacemaker.
1: Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't seen the last night's episode yet. So,
0: and I also started watching uh, Pam and Tommy. <laughs> That's on Hulu. Oh, so,
1: yeah, autumn. Like, okay, autumn. As soon as we finish, so we got, we got to catch up with the Book of Boba Fett. We got <laughs> two episodes to finish on that. The new Peacemaker episode. I'm like, as soon as we're done with these shows, that's the next one we're gonna watch. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good so far. But awesome. Yeah. Good to hear.
1: Yeah. That's then about uh, it. <laughs> did you uh, see the new South Park yet?
0: Yes, I did see that pajamas. Yeah, yeah, I did see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got me. It was good, but it was. The first like ones little, back
0: are always uh you know, just getting started,
1: I hope so because I was like this you know it, it just it felt a little phoned in I hate to, I hate I absolutely hate saying that, but with the bar that they set, uh
0: uh-huh.
1: not a bad episode at all, not a bad episode, don't get me wrong, but it just felt like a little like, eh, let's just do this one for the first one or something. I don't know, right, but right I will never I will never doubt them <laughs> never <laughs> uh so then, yeah, together. as mentioned. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a variety, you know, there's a variety of reasons. They, they know better than I ever will, and so I trust them completely. <laughs> but they did release the Oscar nominations, uh, and I'm not going to talk too much about them because I haven't seen half of these goddamn movies. When I, when I had the Best Picture nominations, I'm like, okay, I, I know that one. I've only seen that one, and I heard about that. All these other movies are like, I don't even know what. Like, again, you know, COVID, everything. A lot of these a lot of these movies aren't even on demand. They're at the theater, so only been to theater twice, Spider-Man and Scream, and neither of those are getting nominated, uh, obviously. Know, of course, I still haven't seen Don't Look Up yet, but uh, just go over them real quick, just some or initial thoughts before you you know, I start Look actually Up. watching them. I, oh, I, absolutely. I will, we're yeah. going to get to it. Uh, best Actor, I uh, got Javier Bardem for Being the, Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, which I really want to see. i want been to see that one for a while. Uh, Andrew Garfield, not for Eyes of Tammy Faye or Spider-Man, but for Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh that's on Netflix as well. Uh King Richard, I think that's on streaming too. Well Will Smith and King Richard and my man Denzel for Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh the only movie I've seen is a Tragedy of Macbeth of those, and Denzel killed it, but it might be because it's, you know I saw a tick tick boom. A well done role. Uh how what'd you think about it? I, I liked it. Um I wanna see it because Jonathan Larson, I love that that story. Like his story is like really Yeah,
0: and it's not one bad. I really was familiar with. So it was uh yeah, it's a good experience. Um, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the other ones, though. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I, normally, like, when, the, when these come out, I'm, like, usually, more like, over half. I've seen at least half of them, usually. I'm not bragging. It's just, you know, I, I, I watch fucking, you know, I watch a movie every night, pretty much. Uh, so, I was just like, God, I haven't seen any of this shit. Uh, actor in a supporting role, you got, uh, and if I mispronounce any of these, I apologize. Syrian Hines from Belfast. Troy Kotzer from Coda, Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog, also Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, JK Simmons being the Ricardos, didn't even know who was in it. And Cody Smith McPhee from Power of the Dog. So that's got two. It's one, oh, it's one of those classic two actors from the same movie competing. Yeah. Uh I usually neither of them win.
0: I've
1: heard about it because I think it like won the Golden Globe or something. So it was like Power of the Dog. I'm like, that's an odd name Now I looked it up about oh, Benedict. I'm in. Uh then we got Actress in a leading role, one who I Totally said would be here. Je- Jessica Chastain for the Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Uh, <laughs> the movie, not her performance. I'll give her that. You know, however, I've only seen two of those, Spencer and Eyes of Tammy Faye. Actually, seen Eyes of Tammy Faye twice. That's how much I like that movie. Uh, <laughs> but I've Jessica seen. Chastain is so good in that movie. Like, yeah. I like I, I've never liked her as I I never there's no movie of hers. I'm like, oh, she was great in that, that that I liked her performance. But this movie fell in love with her. Like she 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 channeled the like she must have been messing with the Ouija board or something because she just channeled like Tammy Faye and just became somebody else in this movie. It's a really entertaining movie. It's very kind of surreal, but realistic. Again, I recommend it's one of my top of the year. Uh, But Spencer, don't watch it. It's a fucking horror movie. It's terrible. Kristen Stewart, I mean, she did fine, you know, her and Pattinson, Pattinson's killing it. And she, you know, Underwater, I think that was last year, year before last, that Kristen Stewart was in was really good. She was good in it. You know, I don't think she's a bad actress, but I think the movie, you know, is itself, Spencer is just completely overrated. And not my, to coin an English phrase, cup of tea. Uh, supporting actress, uh, Jesse Buckley, the lost daughter, Ariana DeBose or DeBose, not sure how she pronounces it, West Side Story, which is coming to Disney plus Mar- early March. So mm. be able to see that in just a little bit. Uh, of course, Spielberg directed it. Uh, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst, another power of the dog, and I do not know how to pronounce this name. So I apologize. Uh, mm. and Unjanane Ellis, I don't know, but King Richard, uh, Angelou sorry, I Ellis, mispronounced your name. I think it's. Angelou, it okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That, that, uh, when you say it like that, now I see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. When you hear how it's pronounced, I see yeah. how pronounce pronounce it now. <laughs> yeah, Anjanue Ellis and King Richard. Uh, animated. Uh, in con- I've seen more of these in the, the Exactly. Ruins. I've seen three uh, even, can- uh, four of these. <laughs> same, same. Encanto, uh, Flea, Luca, Mitchell's Versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Encanto, uh, I really like that. It was, I was surprised how good that one was. But honestly, I really, really like Mitchell's Versus the Machines.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna say the honestly, same.
1: probably because the father daughter thing. I have a daughter. I mean, anytime there's a father daughter relationship in anything, I'm gonna tear up. The animation up it at some was point. just
0: really good. Like it was different. It,
1: it, it was so dense too, if that makes sense. There was so much going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just it felt really kinetic and alive. Uh, of course, Dune got nominated for a shit ton of stuff, uh, directing except directing, which blows my mind because uh, Dennis Villeneuve, whatever his last name is, I can never pronounce it right, mm. is one of the best working directors now, in my opinion. However, uh, we do have Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, great director, Drive My Car, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Haven't seen that. I don't even know anything about that movie. Uh, Licorice Pizza, I've heard so much about it. Haven't seen it. Paul Thomas mm. Anderson. And again, Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, and Spielberg himself, West Side Story, for directing. And then, uh, where's my best pictures? Because there's a shit ton of them. Best picture. Okay, here we go. Jesus, Belfast, Coda. Don't look up on Netflix. Haven't seen it. Drive my car. Dune. Seen it. King Richard. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley, which just came out on streaming as well, but um, it's two and a half hours long. So I haven't I'm trying to set you anyway, mm. get Violet to bed early enough to fit it in. Uh, really, I'm really excited for that one. That's a uh, Guillermo del Toro film, by the way. So really, really excited to watch that one. Power of the Dog on Netflix. And again, West Side Story, which will be on Disney Plus in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so of those, seen one. Hmm. One out of ten. <laughs> I failed.
0: One out of ten. Me yep. too.
1: <laughs> no, wait, two. See, oh, I've you, seen two. Yeah, yeah two so, so I don't look up. I oh, knew and... that. <laughs> Beat me this time, <laughs> yeah. Jesse. So yeah, I have no clue. Because to me, Dune wasn't the best film of the year for reasons we've explained, I've explained on this podcast. So I'm really looking forward to watching these other ones. And again, you know, these awards are for Hollywood or it's the elite giving the elite awards. You know, let's not beat around the bush here. It's just fun to talk about, you know, which one, you know, just like you talk about sports teams, you're watching rich people run into each other in the Super Bowl. but it's fun. It's entertaining. Same thing here. You know, I don't care. I really don't care who wins. There's ones who I would like to win. Because I like their work and I like their work to get recognized. But uh, you know, I don't know anything about anything about these except don't look up and doom. And that <laughs> morale is still Toro. That's about it. So we will see in a month or two. Hopefully by then I'll have seen them all and can give you my Oscar predictions. Jesse, you as well, if you get yeah. if you get to see them as well. See what we think and how right or wrong we'll be. I have a feeling we're gonna be very wrong this year based on the nominees <laughs> not being movies we've already seen. So Anyway, uh, no emails. That kind of does it for this episode. Rounding out, uh, let's go into the, the closing here. Uh, didn't get an email. We did get a Facebook message from our good friend Ross Jacobs uh, on Facebook. He says, hey, Trey, just finished listening to the latest episode, True Beverly Hills. And I got to say, you shattered my nostalgic memories of this growing up. Sorry, my <laughs> no. friend.
0: Uh,
1: my mom also made us rent this all the time, but it was in the seven films for seven pounds. I assume that's a pound sign. <laughs> for british currency not sure Um, i'm pretty sure it is though seven pounds for seven nights this was the late 90s i can now see there's quite a few issues with it i will say this though if you take it as it is the movie basically tries to tell you that you can have nice rich people and terrible poor people 100 but you know i'm looking for the deeper meaning (laughs) which honestly might not even be there (laughs) Yeah, I could be reading way into it, and, and he rounds it out uh, to P.S. The last two episodes make up for Boba Fett. No spoilers, which you'll know why pretty obviously. Cheers. Yep, I'm. I've seen a spoiler already, like for the not this episode that just came out. I think yesterday or night before, but the last one uh, before before the last one. So I, I try to avoid spoilers, but you, it's it's if you to truly avoid something, you 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 basically literally have to can't check email, face you can't check anything mm-hmm. until you do something. Or, you know you have to watch stuff immediately you will get you know in this Living day and age cave. you will get spoiled mm-hmm. exactly only only way uh oops i didn't mean to exit that out hold on because i got to read uh the next thing that we're going to talk about here because you posted it in our message chain so i can just read it from right there ah. but uh anyway yeah so thanks, thanks so much ross uh thanks for listening appreciate the the feedback and everything sorry if i shattered you <laughs> How you felt about Beverly Hills, but come on, there's better movies out there for us. Uh, unless it's your favorite. Hey, never mind. Sorry. In that case, I, I will have to get on my knees and apologize uh, in that case. But yeah, so, uh, and then, uh, like, for example, today, like the Jurassic World, the new Jurassic World Dominion is the third and, say, say, the final one for this kind of new trilogy, which I hope so. You know, we don't need to keep pumping them out every year. They should be like every now and then films, you know, do a different take on it. Uh, but the trailer already, you know, this, because the trailer just came out today. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. But uh if you if you like any kind of page that has any kind of nostalgia factor, you've probably already seen it posted and it pretty much gives it away. Uh but that trailer, like, there's some musical hits in there. I ain't gonna lie, it'll wipe away a little tear. <laughs> uh but uh I don't want to say too much. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that at that for now because the trailer just came out some people might not want to see it. I'll save it for another spoiler-filled discussion uh down the road, maybe when it comes out. Uh, but anyway, we did get a new review, like we've been asking for, yeah, and for I'd like that. to thank this. I'd like to thank him for the review, and also thank you for leaving why you left your review in it. But why you left us a one-star review absolutely needs to be addressed in an adult manner, and by that I mean here's what it says. It was by uh, what's the dude's name or person's name? Excuse me, uh, Paxus sixty-six. I imagine you're probably listening to this episode because you want to hear us. Retort or retort, uh, retort to it, because uh, even though you said you're not subscribing anyway, but if I hope you are listening, just so <laughs> I can. Let's just let's be honest here. But anyway, he kind of goes on to say, after listening to one of the hosts go off on a rant about the tennis player banned from Australia over vaccine mandates, I unsubbed. The host was gleeful that the player was banned because he was quote murdering people, being unvaccinated. I just wanted some '80s nostalgia, not yet another woke sermon. If you're not on the far left. <laughs> It might not be your cup of tea. Just a heads up. So, look, your opinion's valid. You, you're, 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 you know, I'm, you're, I'm glad we disagree on something. Disagreement leads to conversation about every topic. But let let's be honest here. I relist, I didn't listen to the whole episode. I kind of skipped forward to where I knew we were kind of talking about Djokovic, and then also the end because the end. I always give a shout out to our friend Ben in Tasmania, which is. Part of Australia or next Australia. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> if, I, if one of those didn't sit right, uh, you know. So I, I didn't listen to the, every single inch of the episode, but I did listen to where this main part was. Uh, and first off, you know, if you're going to quote me in anything, one of my pet peeves is being misquoted. I did not say murdering people. I said endangering the lives. Is what I said. Big difference there. Big difference mm-hmm. there. Also, I wouldn't even call it a rant. It was less than a minute. And it was basically all all that was said was, you know, let's be honest here. Here's what was said. Australia has specific mandates for people visiting their country, just like we here in America have specific things for people that want to visit our country, want to become citizens. All that kind of stuff that is, you know, that is in that same kind of breadbasket, so to speak, or uh, circle. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word to say there. <laughs> I'll leave it at that because you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm going to assume you do because – you know, we're having an adult discussion here. However, you're wrong because I didn't. You know, if the, let me take that back. Let me let me backstep a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to like I'm trying to maintain an order here to my thoughts, as opposed to the normal conversation of this podcast being very off the cuff, like we like the intro <laughs> was for this episode and everything. You know, we just kind of talk about what we're feeling at the time, and you know, we're not above correcting ourselves. Um, you know, but if if we had a rule here in America. Like, if you want to come here and work, you need to, uh, you know, you need to be a citizen, you know, you want to, you know, you shouldn't be an illegal, you know, you should, you should go through citizenship, like that rule that I'm sure a lot of people, based upon what you said in your review, believe, because I'm pretty sure you probably hate illegal immigration, I'm pretty sure you probably hate it based on, based only on your, the wording of your review, I can place you on the political spectrum. Just like, you know, you would expect somebody coming to our country to be respectful of our rules. Australia had rules in place. The Djokovic did not abide by them, and that's why he was not—you know—that's why he was not allowed. That's why he was t- kicked out. Absolutely, their country, their rules. My house, my rules. That's—that's mm-hmm. that's not even a political discussion. Sixty-six, or well, I'm sorry, I'll call you sixty. Pick uh, Paxis. That's not even a political discussion. Uh, and you know, as far as the fact, you know, you're, everybody's entitled to their ideas. Uh, political ideas uh it boggles my mind how a virus has a political affiliation apparently in this country and in, right. in the world uh not going to get on that soapbox we're just going to address what was said here uh but you know just remember you know i i, I hope you know it, cause apparently you're, you hate about you obviously you, you, if you didn't take the vaccine that's your choice just like a woman who wants to get an abortion is her choice and should be respected uh you know turnabout's fair play buddy and when I say, buddy, I'm referring to people who are, you know, since we're called since I'm apparently on the far left, which I've never been called that in my entire life or woke. So, you know, we got to you know, thank you for saying we're woke. You know, we made it, Jesse. We're yes. woke. Yes. Yes. Uh, next time, you know, the wokest 80s podcast out there. New tagline. Thank you, Paxos. All kidding aside. Look, if you're going to unsubscribe for a short little thing that really listening back to it, it really wasn't even a, it was a micro rant. Done not even, you know, with any kind of inflection or passion like some of my other rants are like when there's CG and horror movies or uh, stuff like or CG blood, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it was, ba- you know, the, the gist of what I said was what I've already repeated before. I'll pre- repeat one more time is that, you know, Australia had rules. He didn't abide by them. He wasn't allowed in. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but the science of it is, is that, you know, they, they want their people to be vaccinated. That's their country's rule. Their rule, you come in, you got to be vaccinated. He wasn't. That's their rule. Respect their rule. You know, I, well, I, Australia ain't getting none of my business. Well, that's a shame for you because Australia is pretty fucking cool. So, uh, so that's that. You know, if you if you listen to this, great. You know, hey, you know, you, even if you are, you will never respond because you already said you unsubbed. Yeah. But you know, if you want to reach out and we can have an, an actual, you know, if there if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it, man. That's what I'm trying to do here. You know, otherwise you can go back and add your subscription number to Joe Rogan's, however many he has. And he ain't going to give a shit about you because he's just making hand over fist money here. We're just talking. We're just trying to be good human beings. And that's all we try. All we try to do here and have fun. And if a less than one minute micro rant about something dissuades you from that, I guess the rest of our content ain't good enough. And it's not for you. So we'll see you later. Best wishes. Stay safe. All that kind of stuff. But if you want to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. Yep. And again, I don't care if it's a one star, two star, three star, four star, 10 star, 10, 10 star <laughs> review, which you can't even do unless you make a fake account and said, I made a fake. Ac- if you do, if you give us a 10 star review, just be sure you put, I made a fake account to give it another five stars to make it a 10 star review. <laughs> you will be our first 10 star review. <laughs> I'm being facetious, you know, reviews, just like anything for a movie, like we, we sell on the podcast all the time, reviews don't matter. All they, you know, they, they don't matter to you. They matter in terms of the visibility of this podcast. So, Man. if you like this podcast, by all means, leave a good review, please. That just helps more people who share our interest become aware of it. Because uh, we haven't, well, you know, I haven't made a dime off this, but uh, we used <laughs> to have those links, Jesse. I know you made a couple bucks off of just people using the Amazon links, and myself <laughs> using the Amazon so, links just, yeah, back in the Yeah, just day. you and Daniel using it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, so, so, like, there's, there's nothing. We gain nothing for doing this except my own narcissism for having an outlet to talk about things I'm <laughs> passionate about, and Jesse's mercifully nice enough to let that happen. You know. So again, you know, it's you know, and do review. Do I when I see a good review for the podcast, does that make me happy? Absolutely. When I see a bad review, does it make me happy? In a way, it does because a people are listening. B, you took the time to actually, you know, I got to give credit, Paxis. You wrote why. Thank you for telling us why. I completely disagree with your why. I don't think that's a reason. You know, no. No, somebody saying something, what I said, that how, how, and the degree of disagreement, I think is a a pretty petty reason to unsubscribe. It's not like every episode. Now, of course, at the end, sometimes I jokingly say, get back. I say, I throw it in at the end, one little line. You know, it's not, you know, we're not, we're not making a political statement here on this podcast. You know, you, you don't talk about religion and politics unless... You absolutely got to, I guess. I don't know what I'm going with that. But you get the drift. I mean, if you've listened to it long enough, this podcast, you know this is about fun just talking about things that make us exciting and nostalgic and all that. But, you know, sometimes you got to break it down. You got to talk about real things and how they're affecting people. You know, in the 80s, you know, you had Reagan's indifference to the AIDS epidemic. Uh Very similar to what, you know, kind of what happened at first today. You know, that's, that's not partisan. That's facts. Legit facts. U2 is one of my favorite bands of all time. If I saw, you know... I, they always say don't meet your heroes. I've heard a lot of good things about people that ran into Bono. He's a great guy. My luck is I run into him like, oh, piss off, mate. That's not even any. Oh hey, yeah, oh yeah, fucking <laughs> fucking piss off, Hey. Eh? I, I can't do accents. I'm sorry. You know, wow, like my favorite, you know, favorite band guy just told me to piss off. <laughs> mm. You know, so it's what I'm getting One at. You, you have a <laughs> 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 I just I just want to give you this car on my podcast. And just you know, if you're bored on a plane, give me a fucking thing. <laughs> Then <laughs> he leaves a one-star review. Fuck this guy! <laughs> but it wouldn't matter because Bono then left me a one-star review. It'd be I'd be the greatest moment of my life. You know, <laughs> I found, see and, and see. Look, this is a tangential podcast. I don't even remember where I was going with that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, you know, leave a review, good or bad, doesn't matter to me. It just matters to the visibility of the podcast. So if, if this is something that you enjoy listening to, I know we. I made a lot of friends that I've never met on this. Through this podcast, some that live right next door to me back in Louisiana that I just never got around. We just never got to before I moved out to California and a friend that I made on the podcast who lived in California, who's living a few towns away, but haven't got together with him either. Now I'm about to move to Utah. So any (laughs) friends of the podcast in Utah, let me know, (laughs) you know, and and friends across the world, all the way in the UK, all the way in Tasmania. You know, people I would absolutely love to meet, have a beer with, have a pint with in a pub, whatever, wherever. Watch a TCW wrestling match with Doomslayer Live. Mm. You know, things I would love to do. All made possible because of this podcast. And I'm not going to say that if somebody said, Hey Trey, you get I wanna I wanna take you on the smodcast network or the, the bloody disgusting. You know what a you know, podcast network can get paid. Sure. But you you know, I've already, you know, this, you know, in my opinion, I've, my life's already been enriched by this podcast by making friends in a truly, you know, a, a unique way, but also a very different way in a very modern way from uh of how how you go about it you know uh you know you tell this to people 30 years ago even maybe 20 years ago friends online you know online dating used to be like you met them in a you know a newspaper you know before online newspaper where'd you well where'd you meet it was an ad in the love section of the newspaper (laughs) (gasps) oh a scandal (laughs) most people meet online now you know now it's totally you know that's it's again progress especially mm-hmm. for people on a certain side of the political demographic who stand in the way of progress. Guess which one it is. Yes, that was a political statement. Mm. But come on, everybody wants to talk about how they're to the center. No, you're just to the center of the right or you're to the center of the left. You're not even at an actual center. Center. Let's be honest here. Come on, be open-minded and talk. Discuss your ideals. Talk with people. Talk with people you disagree with. You, you know, the, the, that's, that, that, this is the more you know segment right here. Talk to people who disagree with you about things you believe. Because you will grow, you will learn, and you will be better, better educated about your opposition, to use a, a stronger word than necessary there to describe somebody who thinks different than you, but also your own beliefs in yourself. There's nothing that is never not gained from a good conversation about anything. That's why uh, you know, some of, some of the, the best conversations we've had on this podcast, uh, going all the way back to when Daniel would watch a movie, was when we disagreed about it. Like, you know… Cause what was Daniel's nine times out of ten comment about whatever movie I made him watch? Yeah, I kind of liked it. Okay, and, then, and okay, Dana, why? But then when he said, "Oh, yeah, this movie was terrible," like what? You know, it's it's opposing viewpoint. I mean, go watch any news channel. It's yeah. that's well, actually you know what? I don't, I don't I don't watch too many of those anymore nowadays. I don't think it is opposing viewpoints from what I've seen at my parents' house and other places where people who watch the Talking Heads all the time seems to me from what I've seen, it's just a lot of. Uh, Groupthink on each of the, the channels out there. So you know what, get away from the TV getting your news. You know, uh, I did a, I did some research, and you, everybody do your own research. You know, as everybody says, you know, I'm not some peer-reviewed scientist, so I'm not saying it's the right thing. But you know, a quick Google search could get you a lot of actual factual information with sources for you to be able to follow the chain. Uh, to as to who's funding. You know, oh, this is from the uh, American Republican Institute. Or this is from the National Democrat. You can find a lot. You know that tells you exactly what you kind of need to know about to bring into a discussion or a, about a topic to then further research to see stuff. But uh, you know, just do your. You know, when it comes to research, you know, everybody has a phone. You know, oh, not that many people. You know, to use COVID for as an example. You know, oh, not that. You know, it's got a one percent or point zero zero one survival rate. Okay, more people are dying because of this. Well, let's pull out our phones and look at the numbers. You know, what? T- you tell me, you know, when you talk to these people, you know, I say these people, when you talk to people, it's like, well, the CDC, oh, you can't trust the CDC. OK, well, where are you getting your numbers from? Uh, I got them from somewhere. OK, you got them from somewhere. I got here's my source right here. We're going to use my source because you can't give me a source. Uh, remember, in an argument, you don't have to prove yourself right. You just got to prove the other person wrong. OK, but however, if you do have facts and you do have the correctness, that does nothing but help both parties involved in a discussion uh so yeah the dun, 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 artificially <laughs> lengthening the f- length of this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> so again paxis if you if you if you're listening and if you listen to what I already said uh but if you're listening you're still listening like seriously thank you for the review thank you for giving us one star and telling us why I appreciate it uh I think I've outlined our my position I will never speak for Jesse he has a voice of his own uh I, I think I've pretty much as best as I can <laughs> tangentially <laughs> And directly, as best as I can in the moment, explain our position on it. And again, if you don't like it, then this isn't for you. We've had people in the past talk about uh, certain things we've said or points of view or whatever, which if you're going to let that dictate what you listen to, that's your your decision. But, you know, there are certain things uh, in popular culture or or in this same uh, sport, so to speak, that we're in in terms of podcasting that uh, are in the news all the time that are Clearly, you know, maybe you should stop listening to that based on some of the things that are coming out and what, you know, when as as, you know, society evolves as to what's appropriate and what's not, you know, times change. That's why, you know, in the 80s movies, there were a lot of a lot of slurs for uh, African-Americans, homosexuals, Italians, Mexicans, Hispanics, everybody, everybody, you know, go trading places just covered it lot of improper use of language in there that is was it used then yes does it make it right no does it make it right then did it make it right then no it was acceptable is not right that's another thing people need to get a you know get a handle on you know what is acceptable doesn't always mean it's right that's why you should always want to do what is you you should always try to do what is right i'm trey harris President twenty, <laughs> whenever it is, <laughs> whenever the next election. So yeah. Anyway, if you want to send an email, let us know what you think. Eighties Revisited at gmail.com on Facebook, Eighties Revisited podcast on Instagram eight zero s underscore Revisited. We're on Twitter too, but again, I'm I'll check it once in a blue moon. We could be having like millions of people talking to us on Twitter and then nobody's getting a response. <laughs> uh, I just have to let it go. Like yeah. I said, i said before. Sorry. Uh, hey, let me know on the other ones. <laughs> because <laughs> when I post on Instagram, it posts on all three. I mean, honestly, I, I'll be, let's be honest. I, I mentioned this before, but seriously, with Twitter, I can't read Twitter. I pull it up. I'm like, are they respond Like at, okay, who, what? I need a class. I need to take a, watch a YouTube video about how to understand Twitter. And then maybe <laughs> it'll click for me. Twitter just doesn't click for me. All the ads and all that kind of stuff. The way it's like formatted. I'm just, I just don't know. I got to oh, learn it. Pound and that, that's my own fault. <laughs> that's actually called an Octothorpe. All the octothorps. Actually, it's it's Hold on, let me let me check. Hold on, let me (laughs) fact check that Octothorpe. Yeah, octothorpe. That's Mm. that's the exact. That's actually what that's called. Not a pound sign, not a hashtag. It is our tic tac toe board. It is actually Mm. an octothorpe. So Mm. there's another. There's you're on Jeopardy and you win the you win like millions of dollars because that's the question that you know. Got you Final Jeopardy. You know where to send the the you know the thank you chat to, <laughs>
0: Uh at
1: gmail <AsiaRizard@gmail.com. laughs> But anyway, also uh, shout out to our good friends uh, near and far. Of course, John with the Cajun toy review on YouTube, and of course Ben Wyatt in Tasmania with the Bamcast, and good old Doomslayer. Hats off, bro. Keep it up. Keep it up. Always looking forward to the next Doomslayer match. Big things coming for Doomslayer, so I hear. Through a very reliable source, and of course, I, I I need to add it to my template. But of course, Jesse, I heart, I heart board games on Twitch, yep. YouTube, Twitter, everything. All over the place. As well, if you're a board game enthusiast, I, I tend to forget that, uh, even though I'm literally talking to you <laughs> directly about I'm in a it, different role you know. here. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, it's. I mean, it's that's what we got to promote, share the, you know, there's some yeah. crossover there for sure, always. So, until next time. We will hear no, well, next time when we talk about hear no, uh, excuse me, see no evil, hear no evil, uh, with my man Richard Pryor. And again, check out some of his comedy specials. Just to make sure the kids, you have the uh, earpo- AirPods in and the kids are out of the room. Uh, I think uh, Amazon has some of the specials. And again, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've said enough. I'm tired <laughs> of talking about that. It takes the fun out of the room. We have to stop and address that, but it's necessary. And I'm more than happy to do it. So, anyway. Till next time, everybody, I remain Trey Harris.
0: Jesse a league.
1: Cowabunga and feel the motherfucking glow, baby.